welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Lux Files. I'm your host, Sean. And with me today, I have magician, druid, mason, and teacher, Alessandro. Hello, Alessandro. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I am excellent. How's the weather out there? Oh, it's, uh, you know, perfect California weather. (laughs) Is it? Like, it's not like super hot or anything like that? uh yesterday was uh it was uh, uh 82 which was pretty warm for us but yeah. uh it's nothing like uh the new york summers that i i remember right 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 awful yeah 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 it's been hot it's yeah. been hot here it's we've had quite a few days where it's like like hovering just below 100 and we have like over a hundred forest fires around my city. So um, it's been, and you know, like this heat dome that's just sitting here, um, like the air is just still. So we have all this smoke and um, it's hot and the air is not moving. And we had a storm come through a couple of days ago and it, it kind of blew out all the smoke and that was nice, but that lasted like a day and the smoke was back and the moon a couple like before the 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 storm um the moon was like super super orange because of the, mm. the smoke and i'd never seen it like you know in the fall when it when it comes up and and it, you know harvest moon and it's kind of orangey well this was orange orange and like i've never yeah. seen that orange before but then last night i went outside and it was almost like a neon orange it was so intense because of the smoke so yeah it's it's bad and um (laughs) my my yard is crap and all of my flowering plants um are they're not flowering and it really sucks so yeah so um that's great so my message to the listeners and the viewers is use more oil because apparently that's (laughs) what you should be doing because you know that's working great so yeah yeah. so a couple years ago we had our fires here and it was there was a day that it was just it it was just or it was dark all day it was Mm -hmm. it looked like uh you know from Blade Runner or something like that it was just this totally otherworldly it, it felt like you were on mars right <laughs> it was yeah, like you, yeah. it wasn't yeah so weird um and uh yeah we'll, we'll probably get a little taste of what you're experiencing um sometime this fall because that's that's uh california seasons these yeah days. yeah 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 mm-hmm. probably and on that happy note uh, um yeah it, you know it, it's funny because a couple like when I first started uh my podcast um the conversation always always started with like COVID like mm-hmm. you know how are you coping what's going on there and now it's basically shifted every I, I don't know the past couple of of uh episodes it's been uh how's the weather um is is your neck of the woods burning down like my neck of the woods and uh, yeah so it's great so yeah uh from pandemic to the world being on fire so um 
you know it's fun when you have both at the same time then you can't go inside or outside <laughs> <laughs> right it's like i'm just gonna dig myself a hole and and <laughs> become a a mole person that's what i was trying to think of. A mole person so yeah i think that's actually kind of preferable to civilization anyways all right so enough about the crappy stuff um we're here to talk about you about me yeah okay. yeah about <laughs> you, your entire life every single detail i'm just kidding uh, that might be a little boring <laughs> uh well let's uh focus on the fun stuff so what i do with every uh guest is i get them to start by recounting um the the experience or the um or the series of events that that kind of led them uh into their their spiritual magical path so that's always a fun place to begin so alessandro take it away <laughs> well um my mom likes to talk about how when I was in utero, she was reading uh, Magic by Aleister Crowley. Uh -oh. uh, and so that kind of uh, set the tone <laughs> from uh, before I was even born. Um, so I was, you know, I was raised with this stuff. I mean, frankly, um, you know, my mom initiated me into uh, what we called Wicca back then because we didn't know the difference between Wicca and witchcraft. Right. Um, uh, when I was, you know, as like, my version of a bar mitzvah confirmation you know, okay. when I came to okay. um, how long had she been practicing uh like before that um I don't know um I mean there was always something a little witchy I think even you know like my grandmother um she was an astrologer like not professionally but she just did everyone's charts back in you know in, in the old days before computers when that was like hard to do right yeah she had a fem you know she had a whole you know she had ephemeris every year and um and uh there was a, a dream that that she had that she told my mom this is you know obviously a long time ago where she had she dreamt that my mother was was flying around the room and she thought i wish i could do that but i can't because i'm christian <laughs> ah interesting interesting <laughs> so uh so yeah that was the that was sort of the my background coming interesting so you you so your mom initiated you into wicca or or maybe witchcraft yeah. whatever um you, so you said like like your version of a bar mitzvah so like you were young young I was like 12. Yeah. okay okay and what was that uh, like what did you think i mean i guess in a certain sense that was normal for you but but what what was that like as a twelve year old being initiated into a mystery tradition? Um, I mean, it was it was great. It was uh, I don't remember the details of it much. I remember I received a sword, which I still have. Okay. Um, I remember um, <clears throat> there was a period prior to that when my mom did try to raise me Catholic, um, and because she actually had a really for her, Catholic was very magical. Catholicism was very magical. Yeah. Um, and so she wanted me to have that experience. And so she sent me to Catholic school. I hated it. It was awful. Right. Um, and there was one point when I was probably about 10 that I was like, 
you know, and I knew that she didn't go to church and I knew that she was into this witchcraft thing. And I was like, I don't want to be Christian. I want to be what you are. <laughs> that looks like a lot more fun. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, so she said, okay. And, and I started going to a secular private school and, um, and um, you know, and she, you know, answered my questions and let me read her books. And I remember I was reading, uh, you know, Manly Palmer Hall's Secret Teachings of All Ages and trying to make sense of it. Um, and I asked her like, what's a Mason? <laughs> and, and she said something, I don't remember exactly all, all that she said, but she, one thing she said that stuck with me was, she said, if I were a man, I probably would have become a Mason. And so I felt like, well, I had to, <laughs> it was like my duty. Okay. Um, and, um, and so that was, you know, another one of those sort of, that was probably when I was like 11 or something like that around that mm -hmm. time. Um, so, so yeah, so I was, it was very much by choice. Like I, I, like I, even though it was around me, it was not, uh, I was not necessarily expected to go that path, but that was, right. that was when I saw it. I was like, that was much more appealing to me than, than what the church was offering. Was she raised Roman Catholic? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. That makes sense. It just kind of sounded strange that, that, you know, she's a, she's a, a Wiccan and she's like, oh, I'm going to put you through Catholic school. And you know, that, that just, they're, 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 that just seemed like, and yes, Catholicism is very magical, but that just seemed a bit of a disconnect. Um, but with her being raised Roman Catholic, then, you know, in a way that's kind of makes a little bit, a little bit of sense. I don't think she ever saw the two as being uh, mutually exclusive or mm -hmm. in competition with each other. Um, you know, like, like many do, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, she may have been more witchcraft than Wicca in that sense. Yes, I think looking back in retrospect, uh, it wasn't really Wicca. It was more, she was much more informed by the writings of Starhawk and, and stuff like that. So that was not, not. I mean, I mean, what we now know is really more informed by fairy Wicca, but, or fairy, fairy witchcraft, but at the time there was not really, I don't think people really distinguished them so much in the 80s and early 90s. <laughs> no, God, no, definitely not. I mean, I, I, got into um, Wicca when I was 14, which was in 1992. So that 90s, that kind of like heyday of, of Llewellyn publishing and everything like witchcraft and Wicca was basically two words that for the same thing, you know. Right. You said Wicca if you want to sound more sophisticated. <laughs> What's that? You, want to use, you would say Wicca to sound more in the know, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, back then, like I was a, like I was a teenager. I'm in a, well, not a small town. I mean, it's population hundred thousand, but like it's it's isolated. I, I'm not near like Thunder Bay, the city that I, my hometown. It's not near any big center, so it's not like you know, as a teenager, I, I had a lot of interactions with with the the wider occult community. So I was just taking what I was reading from books and witchcraft and Wicca are the the exact same thing. They're, they're two different words for for the same thing. So I was I considered myself Wiccan. And then when I was 18 or 19, I can't remember, I joined a Gardnerian coven. So that was, oh, you know, genuine Wicca. Uh, Wicca. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I, I, I saw any distinction like Wicca to sound more sophisticated or anything. I think I really saw it as being the exact same thing, really. Sure, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, that must have been, I mean, you know, I, I sometimes like it's such a different era, you know, 92. I mean, that was before the web. Um, mm. And, you know, finding information on this stuff was a lot harder. Um, I don't know how that was for you. Um, and if, you know, was it hard to find books on the subject or did you? I mean, and, and no, kind of no. I mean, um, we had um, Cole's bookstore. Uh -huh. They're still around, but I mean, the, the big one now in, in Canada is uh, uh, chapter, well, I, sh I shouldn't call it chapters, uh, Indigo. And, um, but back, back in the day, you know, Cole's bookstore, and they always had a really good selection of uh, books on uh, witchcraft and, and paganism and whatnot. Um, they used to have huge sections of um, um, Dungeons and Dragons novels, um, <laughs> but also all of the uh, like uh, all the role playing stuff too. Like books, huge yeah. sections, all the books and and reference books and uh, you name it. That's weird. And even actually at Kohl's, that's where I started um, making um, rolled beeswax candles, which is what oh, I cool. make now. Like that's the rolled beeswax candles are the bulk of my business because they used to sell sheets of, of colored mm -hmm. beeswax. And my friend Michelle and I started making um, our, our candles for our spells and whatnot. And uh, and plus we had the black unicorn, which is, was uh, an occult shop as well. Mm -hmm. So um, we, you know, the the books were there and they were easily accessible. And and the library, um, my public library here, had a really good selection of books as well. So you know, the information was was really easily accessible. Actually, yeah, good. yeah, absolutely. I mean. It was a lot more, well, I mean, it's, you know, with online shopping today, technically it, it's even more accessible, but I mean, they, you know, I, I go into Kohl's nowadays or even chapters and the, the sections aren't, aren't like what they used to be on, on paganism and magic and whatnot. And, you know, um, which, you know, from a, business perspective i get that you know with you know online shopping being so easy for for them yeah. or you know what i mean so like from a business perspective i get it um but you know i i, I like going to bookstores i like browsing yeah. and and touching and you know what yeah. i mean so that's unfortunate but what can yeah. you do online is is you know the way the way to go really so it is what it is that was one of the things that I missed most when uh, COVID hit was, you know, just going to a bookstore and just, you know, or a library for that matter, but yeah, yeah. just leafing through and uh, now, you know, things are opening up again, but um, a lot of the bookstores um, still require masks, which always is, I think is probably a good thing, but it's like, bookstores are already kind of stuffy. <laughs> so when you're wearing a mask, it's not, you know, it's not, not less, less fun. Yeah, right. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I do. That is one of my favorite pastimes as well. I'm sure probably as with probably most of your listeners. <laughs> I would yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have a, a used bookstore here. That's really, really nice as well. I don't remember, you know, as a as a teenager that we had a lot of used bookstores. 
not that I remember. I I I, I would kind of think not because I don't really recall going in any, mm. and I would have, you know. Mm. Um, but there's there's one here called the bookshelf that's really nice. It's big and awesome. yeah. If uh, if you're ever in Oakland, there's um right on uh, I think it's Piedmont Avenue has like five used bookstores all within nice. five blocks of each other. Nice. <laughs> it's nice. so great. Nice. Yeah. I watch a lot of uh, British television mm-hmm. and um, what, one show that's my favorite is Midsummer Murders. Mm. And it, it's really good. And it, it all takes place in, you know, it centers around a, a detective and it all takes place in like, English in in the countryside in the small English villages and I mean they're amazing and every bookshop that's on that show it's like heaven like I can smell it I can smell it I mean they're 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 stunning and because they're they're just jam-packed and you know narrow aisles and and it's just oh so amazing so amazing I would be in heaven absolutely yeah oh god now that i'm thinking about that i'm all like oh, i'm just gonna sit here and imagine myself in a overstuffed used bookstore i mean that smell is just superb i made a, a fragrance to smell like mm. uh like a like a bookstore with all the old books and you know like the paper nice. and the leather and the wood and mm. it's really nice so yeah Anyways, anyways, we got to stop talking about me. We're not <laughs> every everyone that's listening. Everyone that's listening knows me. Um, okay, <clears throat> so twelve-year-old uh, Alessandro is now an initiated witch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, there was a fun moment when I was. This was when I was still in Catholic school before I was initiated, but I had already started calling myself a witch, and uh, a uh, a friend of mine uh, outed me to one of the nuns. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and she cornered me in a hall, and she's like, "So I hear you're a witch." And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> and uh, and you know, so what does that mean? I'm like, I don't, I didn't even really know how to answer that question. So I was like, you know, this is a ten year old way you're, you're talking about. And I'm like, uh, I believe animals have souls. <laughs> and, she's like, and she punched well, you in have, the face. Well, she's like, well, if animals have souls, why can't they? Why don't they talk to us? I'm like. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Yeah, that was her logic. Um, so anyway, that's that was my experience with Catholicism. Um, so yeah, moving on uh, through, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I kind of, I, I actually did not identify as a witch anymore. Um, I was kind of getting more interested in, in Vedanta and what I was reading about with, with that kind of philosophy. Um, I did join a coven briefly in college, as one does, <laughs> and um, and then uh, w- when I moved to New York after college, uh, that was when I got introduced to Hermeticism and um, that whole thing. So joined a, a magical order there, um, and uh, went through the grades with that, and that was um, really kind of you know where my kind of serious kind of training began right 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 what magical oh or i don't even know if i can ask you this uh what magical order was that you can ask uh it is uh, essentially defunct now um it's called the order of the sevenfold star 
Um, so if you go on the Wayback Machine, you can look at our website from uh, the early 2000s. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it was just kind of a homegrown thing. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it, it did the job. So, but didn't have any lineage to speak of. It was, mm. you know. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You, I'm trying to think. You told, you talked about this with Frat or RC on. Yeah, I probably book. did, yeah. Okay, because that just ra rang a bell, like that name. I'm like, why do I know that if it's defunct? Why would yeah. I know that it exists? So correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't it sort of like a an amalgam of different ideas? Like, wasn't it like like GD and Thelema all kind of like rolled into one? Yeah, it was sort something? of like halfway between GD and AA, um, if you will. Um, it, you know, we kind of used the GD uh, rituals for the most part um, did make the adjustment to the God forms based on what was in the book of the law. Right. Um, we were, you know, um, I mean, I'm, I don't identify as a thalamite, but, um, you know, I found that that worked for me and I kind of had an interesting experience with Set. And, and I already talked with, with him about that, so I won't rehash that here, but um, the, um, but yeah, it was basically, it was a little bit more, um, more involved, like, so some of the, so yeah, it was a little bit more involved than this, than the normal traditional GD. Um, like being a zealoter in the OSS was sort of like halfway between being a zealoter in the Golden Dawn and being a zealoter at this minor in, in the, whatever it's called. Um, okay. okay. Like it wasn't fully like it was sort of it was just it was, so each so you wouldn't you know you, you couldn't go through a grade more than one a year. Um, mm. you know, whereas I think like people there are people who in the Golden Dawn would like zoom through all four grades in a matter of months. Um, and uh, it was much more the requirements to to pass to the next uh, grade were more intense than just the tests that were in the original Golden Dawn. Um, I don't know how that compares to contemporary Golden Dawn orders. Um, it's quite a bit different. I mean, back in the day, you know, a lot of people, um, uh, biographers uh, about Crowley always seem to mention how he um, was just so brilliant and was able to zip through, you know, the the outer order grades of the Golden Dawn in, in months. Um, but the the course requirements back then are, I don't want to say are nothing like they are now. It's just, there's just so much more um, material, grade material. In, and now I don't know about every single Golden Dawn order um, that's that's contemporary right now, but I, I think more, more often than not, um, you're, you're gonna have a, a like a fuller course curriculum now. Now, I know there's some uh, Golden Dawn orders out there that are very traditional. I don't know what traditional means to them. <laughs> so it's like, are they, are they so traditional that they're trying to go back to just the, like the, the, the material that's pre-schism? I don't know. I don't know. But you no, know, the the course the course material is quite quite different. There's a lot of stuff um, 
now that that in the outer order grade course material that was you know um back in the day was in uh like the adeptus minor uh coursework and whatnot so yeah 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 like i mean you weren't you know i think like you wouldn't normally learn the middle pillar originally like you wouldn't learn the middle pillar until you're already an adept and we, of course and we were teaching middle pillar to, to neophytes right right which is a i mean in my opinion it's a smart thing to do like there's yeah. there was a lot of stuff in that was that was you know not available to you know the outer order grades that i think absolutely should be a part of the outer order grades and taken out of adeptus minor everyone's going to have their own opinion and of course every order is going to do things um their own way you know the way they see fit but uh yeah yeah i mean i couldn't imagine not giving the middle pillar even like the basic middle middle pillar without the circulation of light right um to you know yeah even a neophyte yeah absolutely yeah um yeah yeah so that was that was kind of that was probably the bulk of my um magical training um how long was it around for um let's see i'm trying to remember so we formed it in 2002 um i think so when let's see so i did about i basically averaged one grade per year and I, th I think it was probably around, I'm trying to think of it, like it was probably around practicus, give or take, that I that was around the time when, when it kind of started to fall apart. So that'd have been what, uh, 2002, 2003, four, five, it's around 2005, I guess. Okay. Um, would be when um, we, we actually grew, um, we, so the, the, founder of the order, um, moved to Boston um, and started a second temple there. And through Kismet, I guess, just managed to, uh, be, was found by a bunch of people who were leaving um, the Hermetic Order of the Morning Star International, OMSI, mm. um, because of uh, something that was happening there, which Fred RC knows a lot more about than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you probably know that as well. Yeah. Um, so we, so a lot of people who are in the Boston area kind of came to us um, to kind of, you know, continue their work, which at first was like, oh, cool. We can actually like have like a full temple and like, you know, having like um, even the role of the, you know, sentinel outside. Like I remember for one neophyte initiation, I was like, that was my role. And it was cool. Cause I'd already done so many, I'd already been an officer for neophyte so many times. I was like happy to just sort of sit outside and, <laughs> and listen yeah. and hold the sword and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so that was pretty exciting. Um, but it was one of those things where we kind of grew too fast and didn't, weren't, wasn't able to manage it effectively and kind of it all probably exploded probably in about the space of a year I'm, I'm i'm kind of you know i don't remember exactly um so after that was um, there well okay i have two questions for you before you move on from that one did you have like a dedicated temple space 
No, it was uh, the, you know, the dining hall uh, or the dining room, in, not dining hall, <laughs> the dining room in uh, the house that was rented by the hero. <laughs> so, and so. my other question was, um, so when some of these members from Homsey came to you guys, was there, did it become problematic? Like, you know, were you know, we're GD, we need to do GD, we need to, you know, excise any Thelema out of what you guys are doing. There's only one person who had it, who had an issue with the, oh. with the Thelemic um, aspect of what we were doing. Okay. Um, so we, yeah, I think he came around for a little bit, but then he was like, no, no way, no how are we invoking set? That's not okay. Yeah. Um, and so he, you know, so yeah, he, I don't think we actually, which was, you know, we were kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, which is fine. Uh, There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. I mean, you know, yeah. if, if you don't agree with, with yeah. what's going on in a particular group, then you don't join. I mean, it's not, right. you know, it's not yeah, a big to be your integrity and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was no, um, no, yeah, it was just, you know, we just, you know, in our separate ways and that was fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, but aside from that one case, um, there was not I, there wasn't any issue with that. I think it was the the bigger issue was just just growing too big too fast, and our hierophant not really having any idea at the time. You know, I mean, we were all young, right? I mean, um, and not just not knowing how to grow an organization, manage an organization that was growing, you know, so fast. It wasn't yeah. even that big, but it was you know it was it was you know big enough that that it was just like yeah. overwhelming you don't need a big group to have you know um problems with with group management i mean you know um any number higher than one and <laughs> yeah like let's be honest i mean i i've i've i have a i run a group here that um you know had a couple problematic people and it just it's really disruptive and and uh one group i i shut down and just because of it and then reformed another group with um like a, a select membership from the old group and yeah. uh you know i mean you know we got we got big and and you know there was you know um personalities and mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, it's just it's it's human nature. It's human yeah. nature. Um, I think it's a. I think it's sort of one of those lessons that everyone, every group needs to learn. You know, at some point, like there's that that enthusiasm of like, oh, we're growing, and mm. this is so exciting. And then it's like, oh, maybe we should have guarded that west gate a little bit better. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. One big takeaway that I learned uh, uh, with you know the group dynamics and, and whatnot is um democracy doesn't work <laughs> um hierarchy does and uh yeah it's you know rituals this day at this time show up don't show up it's your choice uh you know um Do everything by committee is just yeah Death yeah. by committee. <laughs> yeah. Death by committee. Absolutely. Absolutely. But of course, you know, what doesn't come with all of our great magical skills and 
I don't care how many uh, initiation rituals you have committed to memory, how many roles in initiation rituals you have committed to memory. Um, that's all great, but um, being able to deal with personalities and and having you know the tools and the processes to deal with interpersonal conflict and and group dynamics is something that you know these groups just don't possess and mm -hmm. those skills don't come naturally with your adepthood um or all of your fancy titles you know yeah. so yeah I mean, it is it's one of those things where yeah you you i mean I'm really glad that I went to seminary for a few years because I got a chance to like learn a lot of those skills. Yeah. I remember there was a fellow in my in my class who um he was actually a, a Zen monk and had had, you know, still has, I'm sure. Um uh uh what do you call it? I was saying monastery, but there's a different word for it. But anyway, you get the idea. Um, you know, I think in the Midwest, something like that. And, um, you know, he was trained, he went to Korea, he got trained there and, you know, ordained there and tried to bring that back to the States and do things the way that they did, you know, in Korea. But the problem is that in the U.S., um, people, the expectations of a spiritual leader are different, right? Mm. So people were coming to him as if he was, you know, a minister, and he had like no idea how to deal with that. And he had no idea how to deal with the kinds of stuff that comes up with a spiritual organization so so even though he was already ordained and already had something he, he went you know took a, a sabbatical so he could go to seminary so he could you know a western seminary so he could learn how to do this stuff yeah um and you know i think in in masonry um likewise there's some good educational programs that are available for like how to run a lodge and right. how to like how to you know just logistical stuff not you know not the fun sexy spiritual you know but just like and but if you're just you know starting an order out of you know a couple books written by you know the ciceros or you know whatever you're not gonna learn how to you know you're just gonna have to fail you know learn learn by learn by trial and error yeah absolutely and you know um uh Fraterci and I have talked a lot about since you bring up the Cicero's talked a lot about mm -hmm. um, Cicero's book Self Initiation into the Golden Dawn, mm -hmah. and I'm not going to get our into textbook. <laughs> you know, what's that? That was our textbook, pretty much. Yeah, and you know I'm not going to get into the the pros and cons of the book, but mm -hmm. one thing he did say he said you know this is an excellent book for uh, a hierophant. Mm -hmm to sort of um here's how you run a temple mm -hmm. you know um and you know like the the mechanics of the temple quote unquote right. as opposed to the personalities because of course right. that book doesn't get into that as opposed to like an actual self-initiation into the golden right. dawn book which you just can't do no like i said like i, I don't i you the know it's misleading it's really it really is a manual for uh, for a, a lodger a temple yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how we used it. Yeah, it, it, it's it, that book would be just change the title to <laughs> Hierophant uh, Training Manual or or something like that, and great, you know, go. Um, but start self your own GD temple in twelve easy steps. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 you know, to be like, you know, that's kind of a joke, and you know, 
uh, in 12 easy steps, but I mean, that would be a more valid title than <laughs> Golden Dawn, you know, so, you know, it is what it is. Um, I, that book certainly has value, um, but value in a, in a different context than what the, the title suggests. I remember when, when it was recommended to me, I was really confused. I was like, I thought the whole point was that I'm not getting self-initiated. <laughs> That I'm going to a temple that I'm learning, you know, um, yeah. that I'm being initiated by a group, and you know, but it was, but that was just the, the, the use, you know. But it's, I mean, it's a great resource. Um, but yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. Not really for self initiation. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no, I mean, you you can learn, you know, some magical, you know, techniques and and whatnot, and that's great, you know, for you know, if you're a beginner just starting out, um, but yeah it's yeah anyway i don't want to talk about the book i mean i i talk about that book so much um with its pros and cons and whatnot and i i don't want to discourage people from getting it um because i'm not talking talking it down it's just it's not you're not going to self-initiate into the golden dawn regardless no, think, of the book you know i think don michael craig's book is much better if you're just a solitary practitioner and you just want to like learn the golden dawn material on your own that that to me is modern magic yeah well yeah just because i mean it's 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 like you know if you took the self-initiation book and you pared it down to you know the basics and you took all of the 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 gd temple stuff out mm -hmm. sure um would so the question would be like, okay, then would you recommend one over the other? And that's a tough. I think if you're on your own, if you're not doing, if you're not doing temple work, I would recommend modern magic. So I don't think that the, I don't think it's really feasible to, I don't think you can take, get the most out of, although it's been, it's been years since I've looked at either, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. I tried working through self-initiation and it was funny because they're, they recommended that um, for the, the officers, you make the wands mm -hmm. and they would represent the officers. And they're like, oh, and, and you can, you could learn how to make the wands in our book, Secrets of a Golden Dawn Temple. So I'm like, okay, print, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what's that? Which is out of print, I believe. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I, I'm looking at the secrets of the Golden Dawn Temple. I'm expecting that they're like, okay, get poster board. And for this, it's going to be this shape and use these colors and glue it on a dowel. Oh no. Oh no. They're like, okay, you need this, uh, type of saw, this type <laughs> of saw, metal cutters. <laughs> Da 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 da, and like they're they're teaching you step by step, which is great. But they're mm -hmm. teaching you step by step how to make genuine right. um, uh, golden dawn wands. And I'm like, like who? Wh what? What? What's the time for this? <laughs> yeah. I'm a makeup artist. Yeah. Um. Uh, in an apartment, uh, in Texas, and. I fly to a different city for work every single day. <laughs> Guess who doesn't have tools? Yeah. Guess who's not getting tools? Yeah. Guess who doesn't have the time to make full genuine wands? So yeah. I basically am like, okay, well, I'm getting dowels and I'm getting like 
poster board and doing what I thought they would suggest. And so creating a temple in your house in, in that way um, certainly had value. But did I self-initiate into the Golden Dawn? No, no, you can't. <laughs> you, can't. Um, you just, you, you can't. Yeah, you can't. And I was really like impressed by how much uh, Dave, the, the person who started this order, um, you know, he would do that kind of stuff. And, you know, he, I mean, which was a real, you know, testament to his dedication and his commitment to it. And that, you know, he like, um, and, um, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, like, he's not trained, you know, he's not a carpenter or anything. So yeah. like, you know, the Lotus wand would keep breaking, <laughs> you know, it'd be like, and then like the Caduceus would have like the, the you would see like this, there'd be a part of the snake that had been like glued back on three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's clay and clay is fragile. And yeah, um, yeah. I thought of doing clay and I'm like, no, like when I made my Lotus wand, um, you know, and I was sitting, I'm like, how am I going to make the Lotus? Cause it's metal and, you know, I just, I, I probably shouldn't play around with that. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to think what I can do. And I finally had to say, okay, just start making like by the dowel, start painting it. Your solution's mm -hmm. gonna come once I start yep. the process. And the solution came and I came across a, a, um, uh, a guy in the GD here in Canada that makes tools. And I reached out to him and he made me the lotus flower. So mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, make the bulk of, of the wand. I highly recommend making your own tools to the best of your ability, um, even if they they break and, and da, 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 and you have to keep gluing them back on because it's annoying now. But we all love looking at stained manuscripts mm -hmm. and old scratched tools you know in in museums and whatnot like that's what you're creating you're creating you know something that we're all like oh so great you know mm -hmm. think of it it's going to be in a museum someday think you know what? in that mindset and it, it's going to have such it's going to have character and it's going to have a story behind it and you know so yeah, if it breaks, it breaks. Glue it back on, and I, I completely agree. And I think one of the things I think one of the problems with the Cicero book is that it kind of and and Crowley does this too. Is he kind of you know you get this sort of impression that it's like you have to do it this way. This is the right way, and that's it. And mm -hmm. there's no room for compromise. And you know, I was really I think liberated when I read um, you know Duquette's Anokian um, uh, Vision Magic, and he's like, make it out of paper. <laughs> you know, yeah. make all the tools out of paper because uh, you can do that. Yeah. Like anyone can do that. And I did. And, you know, it works. And then in that, I felt like that kind of opened up for me the freedom to kind of get more creative. So, for example, when I ended up making my Enochian tablets, um, I didn't do it the GD way. I mm -hmm. did it. I, I got a bunch of wooden squares and um, burned, use, use a wood burner to, cause I had a, you know, cause I, I know how to do it. And not that it's hard to use a wood burner. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the, the letters into that. 
and then used uh, watercolors and would stain them in kind of different patterns. So like with things that were, so it was, with it was like, you know, water of fire would be stained in, in blue and red. But oh, in nice. And so it was, it was sort of this, this very kind of colorful kind of mixture thing, but it, it looks, I think in my mind, it's, it's beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. It is very different from what you would see in, you know, traditional golden dawn. Yeah. Um, but it's, but I love it. And it's like, yeah. that is much more an express, that to me has way more power than if I had done it the right way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it's, it's important to like, just what you're saying, like, just do it, you know, to the best of your ability, to the best of your, your art, your, you know, and, and also to be creative with it, like to, mm -hmm. to, you know, I mean, so, okay, what is it, what is it like with the, say with a Lotus wand, like what is, what does a Lotus wand actually need? Like, what do you, what are you doing with a Lotus wand? And think about like the different parts of it. And okay, how can you symbolize that in a way that is effective that you can actually, that you actually have the, the skill to put together. And maybe yeah. that doesn't involve metal crafting an actual little Lotus, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in retrospect, like it could have been paper for, you know what I mean? Um, but also too, if if you can't do it out of metal, you don't want to do it out of paper, you can't do it out of clay, maybe don't use the lotus flower and you have the rainbow wand, yeah. you know? I mean, because it's easy enough to paint a dowel, you know? It, I mean, it was time consuming, but... Um, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. But, you know, uh, we're doing some uh, really amazing work in Frater RC's Hermetic Mystery School um, every Sunday. And uh, we're doing um, some Enochian workings and um, not GD style, more technically deep, pure style, but just in the sense, like, I, you know, when, when people say deep purist, I realize they're basically what they're really saying is not GD Enochian magic <laughs> because and, yeah. all the deep purists quote unquote all do it differently and they have right. their own interpreted differently yeah. yeah but you know we started with like bare bones with a you know an uncolored sigil on a piece of paper and that's yeah. it no table of practice nothing 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 mm -hmm. and the results we're getting are incredible the first working, and I will go to my grave, I will go to my grave believing this, my first, our first working, um, I was going to ask for a little boost in my business. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't know. I just want to, you know, uh, focus on, you know, the main intent of, of why we were doing the working. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to ask, but it was in my head. Mm -hmm. And while we were invoking um, Hagenel, um, I get an email from a distributor. I now have a distributor for Asia. Nice. So my little, you know, oh, just a little boost in my business, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that was with working with no tools except a sigil on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. uh, not even colored. And, um, you know, so it works until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I'm beginning to learn is um, that some of these tools and some of these processes are, uh, are actually really important 
And, but what I'm learning is the angels are kind of like adults humoring children a bit. <laughs> and they're like, okay, this is fine. Okay, but now, now it's time to, you know, and I, I, I can see the, the direction it's going where I'm going to need, you know, the, the, the table of practice. And, you know, it, it just that I, I can see it heading that way, especially with, with what we did uh, this past Sunday night, which was, I, I can't even begin. Oh God, I can't even begin to describe that. That was something else. But yeah, there, the indications are there that, you know, they'll, they'll let you get away with what you can manage. <laughs> um, because they know, like they, they, they know when, when you're just, well, this is just easy and quick. I can just do this mm-hmm. when, when they know you're capable and able to step it up and they're mm-hmm. like, okay, not <laughs> great. You know? So yeah, are tools necessary? Not 100%. Um, you know, it, it's not a hard no or a hard yes, but there's value in them and I mean you know um start with nothing and and add as as you can and uh yeah I'm always curious to to learn about how you know the 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 actual like you know direct like what what's actually going on because you know when people write about magic or their experience with magic it's it's usually it's a little bit removed like you're not you know like I'm, I'm always curious. Like, what's, what's it like in the room? Um, and so I'm wondering, like, with with what you're doing with the Enochian stuff. Now you said you're doing this with with Fred Arce's, um Hermetic Mystery School. Hermetic Mystery School. Now he's not. That's not local, right? Like he's he's not local to you. Are you doing? No. This oh yeah. Anymore? No. No. So oh, and here here's the other element is he, like he's in BC. I'm in Ontario. Yeah. We have uh, uh, a couple of people in in the states, and a couple of people, you know, in other parts of Canada and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is all online, and mm-hmm. we're, you know, so we're doing this all online. And what's interesting is when we're doing the actual invocations, it's not like we're like, okay, well, we all have to do the invocations, speak the invocations at the same time, and the prayers, uh, because we're all separated. Mm-hmm. We have you know, the one operator and, and the results are, um, it's making me rethink a lot of my opinions and beliefs in, in magic, how it works and, um, how the internet works with magic. And, and it's just, it's, yeah, I'm, it's really making me real re reevaluate a lot of my, you know, deeply held opinions and, and, uh, and whatnot. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting adventure. I'd love to dig even further if you don't mind, like, are you, um, like, do you, so you're on, is it like a Zoom call with, yeah. with a few yep. other people? And yeah. it's, it's, it's more than just you and Fred RC. Like, it's a, it's a group. Before, it's a group. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's and a group. you have it like, so do you all just like have your, you know, laptop in, is it like in gallery view in your temple? Yeah. Is it like, 
is your camera like facing you or facing the facing the table or yeah, I mean I just I want to visualize this I want to see what it's you know <laughs> okay so what I chose like there's there's some people in the group that are like beginner beginner so huh. they don't have why well, I, I shouldn't say that um so I, I I'm not going to speak about the others because I you know I I, I can't I'm not you know uh, I can't speak 100% on, on their setups and, and their, their skills. Yeah, for you. Like what, what, yeah. So for me, what I chose to do, because I'm not the operator mm -hmm. and I like experimenting with, with magic, uh, initially what I thought I was going to do is I was going to have, I'm in my ritual room, but that's the extent of my setup being in my ritual room. And, you know, the camera's on me. Um, uh, and for the first working, the only thing that I had was this one sigil that we all drew on paper mm. and, um, and, and everybody drew the same sigil just, yes, right? yes. Okay. And, um, that like this past Sunday, for example, I brought out my Anakian tablets but I'm still not at my altar. You know, I'm not doing any, you know, LBRP, BR8, anything like that because no, 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 which is really different for me because I'm so, so set on proper banishings before and after, like all the, the prep work and whatnot. Well, Dean never did any of that. Nope. And that's like, that's gold and not opposed to D purist style. Right. So we're, you know, doing like the prayers, the invocations. Mm -hmm. and that's, uh, well, I will say I will banish afterwards because I'm a big proponent on banishing. And this last working on Sunday really, um, really threw me really threw me and I had to banish um I mean I still didn't sleep that night anyways but <laughs> I didn't I I fell asleep sometime between or sometime after 4 30 I don't know when um but so you know I will do my banishing afterwards because I just you know but that's just so ingrained in my head as as a process Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Lalo Gonzalez. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.laylokenzawin.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. Um, yeah, so I, and you know, that, that one sigil that was just drawn on a piece of paper, you know, we did a working to, to find out what colors the, the, the sigil should be. And we all got the same colors and, couple of variations with the colors and um the sigils have gotten bigger and fancier painted on wood and da 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 da, da. so you know it, it's a growing process and um it, it's been fascinating it's been really really fascinating because it's i think the way magic should be um where you just 
you, you don't have anything, you have a book, mm -hmm. just start mm -hmm. and you'll be guided on, on what direction you need to go, what you need to do. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Like I can see, I can see the direction this is going to take where we progress and we are going to be required to get a little bit more, um, quote unquote, proper form and, and, and whatnot, um, just based on some, some, uh, conversations that we've had with the angels. It's fascinating. It is, it has been so fascinating for anyone that's listening. If you're interested in, in finding out a little bit more about what's going on, it's, uh, you can go to hermeticmysteryschool.com. Um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been something else. It's really been something else. And uh, it's, um, there's been a big shift just these past couple of weeks um, in me, which I wasn't really expecting, like so, so dramatic. So, yeah. Um, and I'm wondering with you, so you said that about kind of like you, you start and then you kind of let, let the magic kind of guide you, uh, let the angels guide you. Um, do you find that different at all or is it the same um, when working with a group versus working individually? I find individually, I tend to have more casual conversations with um, the spirits that I invoke. Um, there, there tends to be a bit of an informality to that interaction. Like I literally, I did a working with Badir, the king of the fairies, mm -hmm. and we literally sat in chairs just chit-chatting. <laughs> and um yeah it was so bizarre just for how normal the experience was because it was just like like you and I are just sitting here chit-chatting mm -hmm. that's what I was doing with Madeir King of the Fairies just just mm -hmm. chatting I mean <laughs> the, only, the only real amazing thing was is that he made my seat out of a tree stump well, I stood there and watched, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, um, and of course it was smaller than his because <laughs> I mean, he's a king, he's so a king. of course yeah. it's going to be bigger, but you know, whatever. So yeah, no, um, not dramatically different, but there's, there's some nuances that, uh, to, to the interaction, to the relationship. That's, uh, that's a bit, uh, a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. But not so different that it's that there's that I find like a, a a positive or negative of of doing you know doing this sort of stuff in a group versus um, individually. So mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The vast the vast majority of my work has been individual. Even even when you know we did do obviously with the order back in the early thoughts we did a fair amount of group work but i think even then like the the heavy a lot of well i don't know it's both but magic, now these days yeah but i mean magic is 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 person i mean no matter how large in into like larger group work you are i mean magic 
your the bulk of your magic is on your own. Yeah. You know. One of the things I found really interesting, I was reading an account of um I forget what book it was in, but it was about it it had uh some you know records of of magical workings in, in a lodge. Um and they would do the they would do path workings as a as a group. Um and it was hard for me to totally figure it out, but it, what it looked like was happening was people in the group would, would share what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would kind of shape the kind of the, the group experience. Yes. Which yeah. I've never done before, but I thought that was a really neat thing. And it kind of made me curious to, to try something like that. Because for me, pathworking is, even when I've done pathworking with other people, we all just go into ourselves and don't really share until maybe afterwards. Yeah, I don't know if that that sort of technique originates with the Golden Dawn. I I, I can't I can't answer that. Right. But so you know when you do that sort of group path working you have the operator and then you ha- that's kind of like guiding the path working. Yeah. And so you're all you know spoke you're you're guided to be seeing the same thing. Yeah. And then you know, if if I'm one of the 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 people that are um, traveling in the spirit vision, and I, you know, oh, I'm seeing blah 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 blah. Okay, mm-hmm. now for you know, the operator will direct the rest of the group to to see that as well, and mm-hmm. so the group is shaping the 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 vision for the entire group as right. opposed to you know the operator just kind of like guiding you through, and you're seeing what you're seeing. Yeah. the next person seeing what what they're seeing and you know it's <clears throat> when when you're doing a path working where you're just kind of you're you're being led to wherever you're supposed to go and then you just do your own thing that's not really a group path working mm-hmm. it's interesting in a group afterwards to find commonalities but that's not really a group path working a group path working is you know where you're you're all you know led to the same place and then you're all shaping each other's visions yeah. by by relating what you're seeing so you have that group experience of of the same experience you know one isn't better than the other i'm not not suggesting that it's just they're 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 both uh, they're both different yeah i think it's they have different pros and cons like you know i think that one of the things that i you know i I heard read heard a similar story of um not really path working but just um uh going to uh an inner grove or sacred grove Mm. um and that basically people would would kind of do it together in in the in the circle and say what they see and so everybody else would kind of see it too and so it created this sort of shared inner experience Mm -hmm. um and i actually i was able i did that um with um with a reclaiming group that i'm involved with in in california uh last year when we couldn't we were going to go to uh the mendocino woodlands because of COVID, we couldn't. So we, so I um, guided them into kind of a similar kind of space that we can kind of have a shared experience like that. Which yeah. I think it was a nice way to kind of be able to to bring people together in the inner planes, which is a very different. Which is you know it's related, but it's mm-hmm. it's different from I'm going to go have a conversation with Madir yeah. <laughs> or somebody yeah. like that and hear what he needs to tell me as a you know for my personal growth and development. Um, which is kind of a different thing, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, so, um, not like, you know, not like we got off on a tangent because I, I just let the conversations go where, where they go. I mean, you know, um, we're, we're informal here, but, uh, so you, did you join the Masons before Druidry? Yes. Before Druidry, after, uh, I joined the Order of Seven Gold Stars. So in 2005, I had a lot of changes. Uh, one of them was going to grad school. Uh, one was my first attempt at seminary <laughs> and one was joining the Masons. And my intention with that was really, I had very low expectations. Um, I was like, you know, I, I figured that it was kind of this semi-defunct old man's club that was, you know, um, but I knew that that was the source of, of the Golden Dawn. It was the source of all this stuff, right? Every, everything that is in the Western Missouri tradition today basically, you know, is, is tied in one way or another to Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, well, let's go to the root. Let's see what, what that's about and what better way to do it that than actually join. Yeah. Um, and um, so I put the word out on, on live journal, if you remember live journal, <laughs> uh, you know, because so, I, I remember first I went to look, you know, to see what, you know, what lodge to join. And I went to the, you know, this is in New York City. There's like 72 um, uh, lodges in, in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, I think the number actually was 72, which I thought was kind of nice. Okay. <laughs> kind yeah. of, uh, it's obviously different now, but um, when I counted that one time. Um, but um, yeah, so I was like, well, which one do I do? I choose the one with the coolest name. Well, okay, so that's All Seeing Eye Lodge. I was like, hmm, maybe I should join All Seeing Eye Lodge. It's a pretty cool name. <laughs> but you know, that the name the name might you know who knows why it's named the way it is. And if yeah. it hasn't. So um, so I put the word out saying, hey, I'm interested in kind of the more metaphysical, mystical sides of masonry. You know, what lodge should I join? And someone got back to me and it was uh, put me in contact with uh, Mariner's Lodge, um, okay. uh, one of the oldest lodges in New York, um, started in 1825. And um, it, it had been <laughs> semi taken over <laughs> by, uh, by a coven, by all the male members of a coven in New York. Oh, interesting. So about, about half of the members at the time that I joined were also members of this coven. The, the nice thing about that was they all gave a damn about the ritual. Mm. Um, so they were very, they took it very seriously. And the um, musician was something else. He was able to, he, he played the organ and he also uh, played a, a, like a, a drum, like a hand drum. And he would alternate between them, which sounds really discordant, um, but it was, it, it created this really interesting kind of combination of feelings of like, Part of it being this this very kind of primal, um, almost primitivistic, like you know, initiation going, you know, that that like a men's initiation going to the dawn of time kind of thing, mm -hmm. and then part of it was also this sort of uh, kind of Victorian kind of you know high, you know, it's, you know, and it's it kind of bringing the two together, which in a lot of ways is sort of what masonry is, right? It's right. sort of this this um, you know modern now you know like victorian kind of uh uh take on on these sort of you know mystery this sort of mystery tradition um and it blew my mind uh it was you know i mean a lot of it was like you know a lot of it was like oh i've seen this before because i you know i was already um you know had gone through some of the golden dawn cell grades 
Um, but um, yeah, I got, I was very active in that when I was in New York um, and I really got a lot out of it. Um, and then moved to California and, and have, you know, when I moved out of California, I did join the Scottish Rite out here. Um, but never was into it the way that I was when I was in New York. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess for someone that's magically inclined, if if that's your first experience with masonry is is having, you know, a lodge like that, I could see how another lodge would just pale in comparison. As great as the lodge can be in its own way, um, I, I can see how it could pale in comparison. I need to pause for one moment. Sure. And we're back. So, so, so far your story's interesting. I mean, you go from witchcraft to like a GD Thelema hybrid mm -hmm. to masonry and then to Druidry. Yeah, and so Druidry, yeah. You joined the Order of Bards, Ovates, and Druids, which is the Druid Order that I belong to as well. Um, so, because, yeah, what, how did that come about? So, um, in, so let's see, I advanced to Portal uh, just before I left New York in, 2010. Um, so there was a big gap between when I was in practicus and when I got to, I'm sorry, philosophy and when I got to portal. Um, and then a much bigger gap between that and, and add up, but I'll, I'll get to that. Mm -hmm. So the, um, so yeah, so I advanced to portal and then moved to California. Um, around the same time as that, um, I also got uh, Jung's um, The Red Book. Okay. Um, so that was when that came out. And um, really was fascinated by his active imagination working that led to the Red Book um, and started to, you know, and, and in that he meets his, his daemon uh, Philemon and, you know, which is arguably his holy guardian angel. And mm. so I, I kind of took that working to be uh, equivalent to what I understood as the, you know, um, the Abermelon operation or knowledge and conversation. Um, and, you know, I couldn't, I just couldn't do the Abermelon operation. <laughs> just, yeah. I, you know, um, but I could do uh, an active imagination working. So I, so that's what I did. And, um, you know, over the course of about a month um, and, it, and it worked, at least as far as I was concerned, it worked. And I, I shared what I did with, with um, the Hierophant, my, my order. And he agreed that it was, that it was um, counted as <laughs> K and Z. Um, and uh, so, so he did, so actually as a result of that, he initiated me into, into Adip with, uh, with, well, one other person. Right. Um, I don't wanna go into detail about what that working was, but it, right. it led me, it, towards the end of it, it, it led me on this path of like, reconnecting with um with the kind of arthurian um current if you will. Okay. Mm -hmm. which was something you know like all young boys uh, i was into <laughs> um you know watching movies like uh, sword in the stone and excalibur and all that stuff as a kid so um so that so i, I tried so i started reading a lot about 
the Arthurian mythos and kind of getting into that. Um, and then it kind of languished for a bit. And then I picked up a book in Half Price Books in Berkeley, you know, while I was in seminary and it was called uh, Grail Alchemy. Mm. By, um, I'm blanking on her name right now, but you might've heard of that one. And that kind of felt like, oh, this is, this is neat. This is sort of like, you know, seems like kind of what I'm looking for. It's sort of a synthesis of the Arthurian stuff with kind of a little bit of a Golden Dawn type stuff thing. Um, and I looked into Mara Freeman, she's, that's the author, um, you know, her background. And so she has this order, but she, she's a member of, of Obad. And then I started looking around even more and it's like everyone, it seems like every, that was like the one thing that like every, everyone's in Obad. <laughs> right. If you start yeah. one of these other orders or, you know, you, you start with Obad. So I'm like, so kind of the same kind of thinking where it's like why, why I went to Masonry is like, okay, let's, let's go to Obad because that seems to be kind of the, the root mm -hmm. of all these sort of Druidic uh, and um, Arthurian and all this stuff. It, it's, it's, it all kinds of, you know, kind of, centers out of that. So that was what led me to, to Obad. And so I joined that a few years ago. And um, yeah, and, and just started the Druid grade about uh, a few months ago. Oh, excellent. Okay. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. I joined Obad in 2006. So it was quite a while ago. I had, uh, when I was living in Toronto, I had met a woman who, uh, um, was in the 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 fellowship of isis and that's how we uh -huh. met and um i i don't know how the conversation got to to druidry and to obod um probably i i i probably brought it up um as you know i was something i was interested in like druidry and you know mentioning obod or whatnot and it turned out she was a member of obod and was uh, a member of a grove and mm -hmm. um, uh, so i remember the first time i went with her to a grove ceremony at uh mount forest outside of guelph which you know like where i was living in toronto was like like an hour and a half drive away and we went we stayed the weekend at uh these these people's place uh out in the country and so amazing their land was just perfect built for druids or or mm -hmm. witches wiccan whatever yeah um such a magical place and uh yeah so uh um every six weeks you know sabbath uh six weeks or so we'd be we'd be up there mount forest on this beautiful property and that's where i had my initiation and some some pretty incredible experiences uh out there and that's that was like two yeah two years because in 2008 i ended up moving to texas so uh or no three years i started i started rich with them in 2005 but i didn't join the order until 2006 that's something like that it's been a while it's it's yeah it's it's been a while so um i had uh one hell of an experience in the bardic raid um uh like uh, an initiatory experience on my own that completely changed my entire life and my entire person like like the the, the pre initiation sean and the post initiation sean like 
were just two completely different people, mm -hmm. completely different people. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I would like, if I met that person, that pre-initiation, Sean, I don't think we would get along. <laughs> um, yeah, I can see us not being the best of friends. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that, that, it, that was, that was an interesting, uh, period of my, I mean, there was other things going on. I had gone back to school. I, I was, uh, taking a, a natural health care practitioner certification course at the Transformational Arts College in Toronto. And I was just so fully immersed in this, you know, magical, spiritual, holistic world of the Druidry and this training and, and, uh, yeah, it just all came to a head in, in this one moment. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, something, I'm, uh, an experience I'm completely 100% thankful for because, uh, I, I don't know, I, I just couldn't imagine if I stayed on the course that I was on, uh, with my life. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I get that. I mean, I can. Or it would have been good in a different way. Yeah. Um, but not. Yeah. No. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like my life. I mean, it's it's hard. It's you know, it's hard to. You know, I mean, but I feel like I had the same similar kind of thing when I when I got initiated into the Order of the Sevenfold Star, or even before that, really. I mean, when I just met them and were kind of met with learn what the, what they were about and what what magic was about well because up until that point like obviously i knew i I'd, I'd learned what magic was from understanding like wicca and, and things like that but to me it, up until that point magic was about like spellcraft i didn't really care about spellcraft like yeah. i didn't you know um and so understanding kind of the the approach of like oh no no magic is about you know connecting with your your will and, you know, of course, it's a very philomic approach, but um, that was sort of like, that's kind of, in a lot of ways, like, that's when my life began. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, of course, it was a very formative time. I was 22 years old. I just moved across the country. So, you know, there was a lot. Um, I was definitely ripe for, for that kind of transformation. But yeah, it, it really was like a before, like what you're talking about, like a before yeah. and after kind of like, this is not the same person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, that's neat that you were able to, to experience that in a grove. Unfortunately, I did, when I first signed up for Obad, you know, I just did through the correspondence course, but I did, you know, I, I went ahead and looked to see if there was a grove nearby, and there is a grove in San Francisco, so I went ahead and, and you know, attended uh, one of their public rituals, and it was, um, it was weird. <laughs> it was like the, it's, you know, there's, a, I mean, every grove is supposed to have at least two druids. I, as far as I could tell, there was only one druid there. Well, yeah, so a grove requires two druid grade Oba druids. Otherwise, it's known as a C group. Right. Now, if there was only one druid there, like was there only one druid there that day? What no, I think that I think that maybe they were either grandfathered in or maybe they had had you know something like that. Because what it what it was was the the there was one guy who was clearly running the show. And he's uh, a, a psychologist, and most of the people there were his clients. Interesting. 
yeah so it's like uh <laughs> what's going on here uh, like when so, you say most of the people that were there like because you said it's a public ritual so was there like a I don't mean full grove, like there's a an like a specific number for full grove, but what were there Oba druids there plus the public, which no, uh, well, I mean, I didn't interrogate each person. I know that at least so one person I talked to who was kind of new to the group, and so we kind of you know connected on that that we were both you know no, nobody knew us. Uh, he had had just started the Obad course, so I think it was sort of. I think that the idea was, I think everybody there, well, I don't know, but the, the impression that I got was that, that at least most of the people there were at least either, either enrolled or were, you know, maybe considering enrolling, but hadn't mm-hmm. quite yet, but it wasn't, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't like, um, cause I know that there are a lot of groups that are like, um, yeah, some of us are in Obad, some, you know, like for instance, the East Patriots, um, you know, the, some of them are, Obad, some of them are ADF, some of them are, you know, um, other things, um, and they kind of just have this sort of pan-druid thing, and they, they're not a growth, like they, they yeah. you know, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, they just made me, I, you know, I never thought about this before, like, if, if you have a genuine grove, meaning at least two druid grade members, and one left so now you're down to one druid grade do you lose your grove status i don't know i don't think so i I, I wouldn't think so i mean you know we talk about obod um short for uh the order of bards ovates and druids uh we talk about obod as a druid order and an organization and it has the largest druid membership in the world um but it's not it's not like like a unify you know we're not talking about you know like like the cohesion of of like a church right um right. so i can't imagine um you know yeah you're not gonna have a, a charter a revolt office, like you would yeah. quote unquote um keeping track and being like oh uh you're one of your two druids moved away so we're demoting your grove down to a secret like i you know i mean i don't see that happening yeah i really don't i really don't maybe uh, it should <laughs> but no <laughs> you know well i mean i mean quality control you know it's is it, yeah that's the, like if you're yeah. if you're going to differentiate if you're going to have like a a technical differentiation between a seed group and a grove um it would make sense to have a little bit more um not oversight but uh, you know because if if like i mean people are using your your brand name so to speak like oh my obod grove blah 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 when it's not a grove like you know you know maybe you should keep uh, uh more of an eye on on you know especially since like you know like through touchstone and whatnot um, you have groves and seat groups advertising, you know, to new members and, and stuff like that. So um, not advertising like, oh, we, you know, yeah. our grove is located here. Contact us if you're interested in attending ritual, not advertising, you know. I know what you mean. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I guess your listeners meant that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was more, yeah, yeah. I meant I meant that was more for listeners. So, yeah, I mean, there there's certain value, certainly value to having um, OBOD the way it is, uh, but there's certainly value to having a little bit of, you know. You know, this, this conversation reminds me of something that I've been kind of thinking about, um, I, you know, I've heard it said that that um, the whole structure of initiatory orders is basically um, that it's just falling apart, um, you know. And I was like reading an article in in the Scottish Rite Journal about how, like, you know, back in the day, you'd have an incoming class of seventy new members, and how, like, now it's like you're lucky if you have seven. Um, and you know, um, people in it. I was thinking about how the conceit of a, of a mystery school is a little bit disrupted by the fact that there aren't any secrets anymore, right? There's no secret knowledge. There's no, there's no, you know, no, no one in any order can presume to ha- know something that you don't have access to. Yeah. Um, and that, but that was the, like, that was the whole conceit. Like, that was why people would you know, a lot of, why a lot of people would join the Masons, why people would join the Golden Dawn, you know, uh, would join Scientology, <laughs> you know, um, it was this idea that you're going to get access to secret knowledge. Um, and I mean, in my point of view, the point is not the secret knowledge. The point is, is, you know, being able to do these very powerful rituals with other people who know how to do them. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious what you think, like, do you, do you have any opinions about like the, the the future of initiatory orders as a concept? Yeah, so I don't I don't initiatory orders are not going away. They'll there's always going to be you know initiatory orders. Um people like to talk about initiatory orders as uh kind of um like a dying breed, but there are more initiatory magical orders now, right now, today, than there ever were. Mm. Um, the thing is, is that we put so much value on online presence. Mm-hmm. Um, your value as a magician and a, and a teacher is based on your follower count, not your actual knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, your value is, is based on, on, on how visible you are online. And that's not the case. Like some of the most, I don't want to say important people, the most knowledgeable, um, the, the best teachers, these are the people that aren't on TikTok and, you know, doing hot takes on Twitter they're 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 very private and uh they're very quiet and you know you see you know flame wars and and you know arguments on social media which okay can i remind you that you're arguing with a total stranger that you've never met (laughs) will never meet so what's the point Uh, but with that aside um for, for like I'm, 
if you were busy doing the work, you wouldn't have time to be all over Twitter and Instagram and Facebook shitting on people. Right. You know? That's a good that's a good point. And I think you know it reminds me of something that I was hearing um, you know, somebody was talking about uh, on the conspirituality podcast about, you know, gurus and how, you know, when you hear about a guru, uh, more often than not, it's a scandal, right? And so it could lead you to the thing to think that every everyone who's in that tradition is just a psychopath. But the fact is that that the the truly, you know, the people who are who are truly wise are you haven't heard of them, yeah. you know, because they're just you know, keeping to themselves in, you know, an apartment and, you know, they have uh, maybe a handful of, of students and, and that's all you need. And, you know, and I, I met one of those people over and, you know, uh, just above Lake Merritt and, and he's, you know, he's got a little website, but if you didn't know, you would never, like, you'd never find it. Like it's yeah. something, you know, you'd have to, like, it's totally word of mouth that anyone yeah. even knows that he exists. Yeah. And, you know, he has zero interest in promoting himself. Um, I think the only reason why he has a website at all is that some, student was like, I want to make your website. And he said, okay, <laughs> you know, um, and, um, you know, it's just, and all it has is like when he has his, you know, classes and he just, it's all word of mouth. And, and, you know, he's somebody who I think is like truly, I, you know, uh, I mean, as far as I could after, you know, I've only met him a few times, but like, you know, he seems to me like the real deal. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you'll never, he'll never be written up in any you'll never see him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like publish your books, you know, like, but, you know, do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not all over, you know, uh, social media trying to get likes or followers or, you know, trying to direct people here's my website click join pay your dues blah 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 blah. so there's lots of there's lots of um there's lots going on in you know uh the the world of magical lodges and initiatory traditions um i think i find that the people that talk down initiatory traditions the most or the ones that, you know, like to have a conversation that um, in historic traditions are dying out. Um, one, almost to a T, none of those people have ever been a part of an initiatory tradition. So you're talking down about something that you have no experience in. And number two, um, don't want to be dedicated to having to do like here's your coursework if, if if you want to get from a to b this is how you do it through this coursework and um that you know they they don't want to do the hard work and which is fine which is fine it's it's you know this path isn't made for everybody so if you're not cut out to you know, to, to that level of dedication to a, to a tradition, then don't join. Like whether it, whether it's, it's a golden dawn um, lodge or a gardenering coven, if it's not your thing, don't join. Like you don't have to, um, but 
you know, don't bash it just because it's not for you. Um, number one, number two, you don't know what you're bashing because you've never, you weren't in that tradition. So what is, what is there to bash? Um, you know, I, I that, hope you're right because that's, uh, you know, when I hear, hear stuff about how like, Oh, I know is, I'm right yeah. because we've had inventory <laughs> traditions um, for, geez, humans have been around for 1.4 million years <laughs> um, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, no, initiatory traditions are never going to go away. Um, and uh, the loosest tradition organization um, in the loosest possible terms is still is still an initiatory tradition like I mean you know it it, it just no they're I, I mean they've been around for all of you know human civilization they're not going anywhere they're not no they're not going anywhere they're because it's not a fad it's not a, a a trend um and like i said there's more now than there were in what everyone likes to call the golden age you know back um uh late 1800s early 1900s how was that the golden age i mean the golden dawn only had like 100 members you know um now there's thousands of, of Golden Dawn members across different orders, you know? Um, yeah, no, I mean, no, I'm, I, yeah, it's just, it, I, I think it's just, that's conversations people like to have or suggest that, you know, um, initiatory traditions are, are on the decline just to make them feel better. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things you said about the the effort put in, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that Masonry made was in the 70s and 80s when they saw that they were just hemorrhaging members. Nobody, none of the boomers wanted to join, right? Uh, they didn't want to have anything to do with what their parent, what their fathers did, hmm. so they didn't want to join. Um, and there's this idea that, oh, people don't want to join because uh, they're too busy, so we should make it easier. And um, so they trivialized masonry. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, you'd have these day classes where you get all three degrees in a single day and all this nonsense. And, um, you know, what I found was the exact opposite was true. Um, when, I, when I was with Mariners and we started gradually upping the ante mm. of like what it, what it takes. Um, and we started at putting forth requirements and they weren't they weren't bs requirements they were actually like they were very functional like one of them was um if you were it was an uh an apprentice or a fellow craft but like you you had to you know we would have a, a table lodge every every meeting which is you know festive board like with, with dinner everything if you were um you know an apprentice you you, you your job was in the kitchen like that was what you were you know that right was, that was where you're supposed to be and we were a little bit worried when we were like, okay, are, are we going to do this? Are we really going to like ask these men to just like, you just tell them like you're, you, you need to work in the kitchen. Um, but they were 
there was no resistance. They were happy to, to, to do it because it, it was, it meant that they were part of something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and, and it, it, it de-trivialized it. It meant, you know, and of course we had other requirements. I mean, that was actually probably the last one that we implemented. We also had, you know, we added like, we had to produce a work of architecture, which was usually a paper, um, you, you know, have, uh, you know, there's a, a longer period of time between degrees and various other things that we kind of, you know, in order to make it a, a richer experience, but, yeah. you know, to, to really, so, so you wouldn't just go be passed through, like we, you know, there's a memorization requirement. We, we took that very seriously. Well, so, some lodges don't, they're like, okay, if you can remember three, three words, it's good enough and we'll pass you on to the next. Grade. Yeah. 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 But, you know, those are the lodges that, you know, people just, they're just a revolving door. Like yeah. nobody, nobody sticks around. Um, so, you know, we found that, that not only are people, willing to put in more they want to like it's it's actually you know people are looking for something meaningful to to commit to yeah because we do live in this very like you know yeah. disposable world yeah i'm not like i'm not a a title collector i mean there's plenty of people we all know this there's plenty of people in the occult community that's just looking for titles i'm not saying titles aren't uh of any value i think you should you should love the title that you've attained, whether it's Zelliter, Bard, Adeptus Minor, Druid, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, celebrate it, uh, see the accomplishment. Um, but I, because I'm not like a like a, a a title collector or a title chaser or whatever, um, I'd rather I'd rather have more work than less in between grades because you want to give me more work so you want to take more time out of your life and pass along more of your knowledge mm -hmm. to me okay i mean it's 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 your time it's not my time i mean it's mm -hmm. my time in the sense that i'm learning it but that's why i'm there so mm -hmm. if it takes me longer because you're giving me more information great great you know it's it's your time that you're you know not wasting but it's the uh dedicating uh to it not not me so bring it on i mean you know um if i'm if i'm joining an order and i'm paying monthly dues i want to get my money's worth uh, <laughs> you know i i like i i don't understand wanting to join an order pay your monthly dues and just kind of be just um shuffled through grades and yeah. like you're you're literally paying whatever money a month for what you didn't learn anything yeah you know um i i i, I don't get it and none of these titles like you go into any store restaurants i don't care where who you speak to and you're like i'm an adeptus minor mm -hmm. crickets well the, crickets. no one no one, no one on this very little people on this planet know what that means so so why are you paying for this title that you didn't yeah. achieve you, yeah no give me the work give me the work because well, it, it doesn't benefit me 
you know. It's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing with um, with the Scottish Rite because in the U.S. you can get you know from the from the third to the thirty second degree in a weekend like that's easy. Mm. Not so in Latin America. You need to learn. You need to earn each degree. Right. And to be a thirty second degree Mason in Latin America is like a major lifetime achievement. Right. And so one of the things that you learn is if you're a thirty second degree Mason in the U.S. and you go to Latin America, don't tell people you're a thirty second degree Mason because they will very quickly figure out that you are. They'll they'll think you're a fraud. Right. Because um you know because they know what that what that means down there and it doesn't mean the same thing. Um so you know just say you're you're a mason you're, you know that's fine but you know yeah. don't you know yeah um because uh yeah it it it's um it does you know it it does mean something down there to be a yeah. or to you know to be a 16th degree mason means something that doesn't mean anything here right um i should probably get going pretty soon i have my call in a few minutes but oh um, yeah yeah i mean we don't have to it's not you know, a couple more minutes but i figure we yeah. should just uh Wrap up, wrap up a bit. Um, so you have like uh, like a project that you're working on. Um, so we should talk a little bit about that. So um, yeah, so when I was on uh, Frater RC's podcast, Magic Without Fears, that was pretty early on in this project. I think I had, I was still in the process of gathering information from uh, prospective students about what it was that I was going to teach. Um, one of the things that happened that was kind of funny was I put out, you know, I put out this email to like everyone who I had ever had any contact with in any way, even remotely relating to this. Um, and the, and so I got, I got a few dozen people, you know, giving me information about what they're interested in. And then I kind of followed with, with those people to see, you know, what level of Equipment would you be willing to make, and what you know, what would you be willing to sign up for? And the first four people who responded to that were um, were the you couldn't pick a, a more diverse group of four people from my life. Mm. You had one who was uh, a colleague of mine from graduate school uh, studying neuroscience, one who was a Mason in New York, one who was a colleague of mine in the tech industry here in, in San Francisco, and one who was uh, a witch. And I'm like. I don't know how to talk to these four people because <laughs> they are so different and they, I don't even know how to like, like how to level set. So that led me to doing um, a, uh, a, a kind of a canned uh, pre-recorded course, uh, which I released on Udemy. Uh, it's called Unlocking the Unconscious Through Symbol and Ritual. It is about magic, but it does not re- mention the word magic. <laughs> I decided to, to leave that out for, for the beginning, although in the, at the very end, I give some res- uh, references and resources where you can kind of dig into that. Um, now I've got a new project, which kind of um, came across my desk in kind of an interesting way. Somebody was doing a, a call for um, BBBs for incarcerated pagans. And I thought, oh, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, do record some videos for that. So I've been recording some videos. I did, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, I've got one, you know, like an hour long thing that, that I've put together. That's kind of a, it's all very introductory, um, you know, an introduction to what is the golden dawn and why you should care. Um, you know, a 45 minute kind of lecture on and demonstration of the LBRP and like how to do it. Um, okay. 
and and what what's going on with that and then you know like a, a, a 10 minute kind of explanation just like that what is it noble work my friend i have to say that is noble work yeah so i'm hoping to, to release that once i get it done and ready for for the prisoners um mm -hmm. to also release that and maybe as a like a fundraiser for the prison the pig and prison resource center okay um because they need all the help they can get yeah <laughs> so uh um, so yeah, so so that might be forthcoming, um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's what I got going on. Excellent, excellent. So that uh, that course that uh, you did, like that's still available. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go, if you yeah, um, if you go to if you look for unlocking the unconscious or unlocking the unconscious through symbol and ritual on Udemy, that's where it is now. Uh, it's my first course. Um, it's you know. Uh, so, you know, be gentle, <laughs> but, uh, um, if you want, I don't know, I can, I could give, um, I can give like a discount code if, if that'd be helpful for listeners, if they want to sign up or something like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Put in the show notes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'll put, I'll, I'll put the link to, to get to the course in the show notes. So yeah, if you want to, uh, provide me a discount code, that would be great as well. Are there any other links? um social media anything that like hey i'm here you really should follow me yeah um i've got i'm on twitter and instagram well instagram is, yeah okay whatever deeper underscore wisdom uh for for both of those but twitter mm -hmm. is more active um i've also i did get on tiktok and that was fun i started reading these atomic essays on tiktok and uh only for about three weeks but they're, they're kind of fun. So that's uh, Voluntas too. I'll have to give you the link for that because there's no way anyone's going to remember how to spell that from okay, my voice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, my blog, which is uh, www.deeperwisdom.org. Excellent. Um, so um, yeah, and that's not, I haven't touched that in a while, but I hope to, to bring that up to date. Um, maybe by the time this goes out. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think God I think my blog now has been inactive for, I think over a year. Um, it was just getting, it was just getting too tough having to sit down and write. Like I'm so busy with my business, even before, well, especially with COVID, like my business almost doubled and, you know, it, my business like is here in my house and, you know, can't have any, couldn't hire anyone, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it's just so tough doing the blog and now, especially that I'm doing this podcast, um, and I just, I, I have no time. So I think, you know, for, I think my blog's dead. I think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's coming back. I mean, never say never, but as of right now, I mean, I just, uh, mm -mm. No. Another, uh, in some other form at some point. But, I don't uh, know. I don't know. You know, maybe I'll, instead of word vomiting on uh, blog, I'll just start word vomiting on, uh, <laughs> on video and just posing it to you. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I just, it is what it is. I'm enjoying this podcast. I'm having fun with this. And I can't believe we've, we've talked for almost two hours. Um, yeah. That was such an in interesting conversation that that just totally, totally flew by. Um, yeah, it, you know, I, I like talking to different people with different backgrounds, but to, to have someone um, with a lot of similarities, like with GD and with Drew Dree, Obad specifically, because I mean, Drew Dree can 
you know, I mean, ADF Druidry is so much different than like Obad Druidry. It's just nice to be able to have conversations. I I like learning uh, new things from people on this podcast with some of the guests with things that I just don't know anything about. But when having, you know, having those commonalities, it's just, it's it's a lot of fun to to see those similarities and be able to talk about them. So yeah, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad you uh, agreed to come on uh, the podcast. Of course, my pleasure. So um, just for the, for the listeners, all of uh, your links and everything that you, uh, you just mentioned, um, I'm going to have them all in the, uh, in the show notes. So you don't have to like go back and, hear it pause it write it down or anything like that so it's just the links are going to be there for you to uh click on them and uh yeah i wanted to thank you uh again um for being on the podcast and uh i'll have to get you uh back on uh again because uh, i think we can talk uh quite a bit about quite a lot of stuff and um i'd like to i'd like to get an update on this this uh this these videos you're doing for the prisoners so i'll i'll definitely have to hit you up to uh to come back on at a later time yeah absolutely yeah looking looking forward to giving you an update when when, when i'm ready to (laughs) yeah absolutely so um until then everyone thanks for listening Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lux Files. You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.laylokanzawin.com slash links. That link will get you to my page of links, where you can then go to my Laylokanzawin website, The Lux Files page, and my Laylokanzawin YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there, so you can follow me and The Lux Files. And don't forget subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.